Content warnings for this episode include discussions of abusive families, trauma, and trafficking on relation to the events depicted in the film. You're listening to Horror Nerds at Church, a ridiculously queer podcast where we take a deep dive into a horror film and talk about how it connects to queerness, religion, and theology. My name is Pace Warfield May, and I am the long-lost Adams family cousin that only shows up for a brief scene at the dance, uh, at the big dance party. Wait, which one? Are you the covering it? Manushka. Are you covering it? I no, I, I'm I, I don't know. I am I am non-binary, so I'm not able to be easily perceived. <laughs> All right, I'm calling you cousin it. <laughs> cousin it is like not easily perceived because cousin it is covered in hair. At yes. one point, my we had talked about our family doing like a Adam's family like family costume for Halloween, and one of my kids who does not like to be perceived, I said she should go as cousin it because then you don't have to be perceived. <laughs> We did not end up doing that yeah, group costume, but it happens. Um, I have a guess as to which child that is, and that would have been fantastic. <laughs> you are correct. I 100%. <laughs> um, oh, and I'm Pastor Emily. <laughs> and I am the red wagon that carries everything from life's possessions to mail and office supplies. And I'm Pastor L, and I'm the gardening shears that aggressively prune red roses. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. So, listeners, once again, we have a Thanksgiving episode where we are covering the Adams Family and once an Adams Family film. And once again, we are joined by the amazing L. Dowd, mm-hmm. who uh, is a bi furious recent graduate at the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago, a current PhD student at the Chicago Theological Seminary the campus minister of South Loop Campus Ministry, and an ordained pastor in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Somehow you are able to do all those things. I don't know. But like you must Sometimes be some poorly. Sort. Sometimes poorly. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's just... good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Elle has pieces of their heart in Sierra Leone, uh, where their two children were born, and in St. Louis, where they learned from the radical queer Black leadership during the Ferguson Uprising. In 2021, she published a book with Broadleaf Baptized in Tear Gas about her conversion from a white moderate to an abolitionist. It is now available in print, ebook, or audiobook. How are you? And thank you for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys all doing? Doing well. <laughs> My household is about to move. We like have same. Two weeks oh, we talked about this. Out. Yeah, we have like two weeks blocked out for it starting next Sunday after worship. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm a little bit like, I don't know how that's going to happen, but yeah. I'm taking next week off of work. So that'll help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are also moving, but we have 
like a little over a, a month to do it. And we're mm-hmm. only moving 10 minutes away. So we're like kind of slowly bringing okay. stuff over and then we'll like do one day with like the big furniture. But are you, are yeah. you all moving far? We're moving a block. Okay. So like it's like, it's similar. Block. Yeah. It's very okay. similar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, Peace, how nice. are you doing? Uh, trying to stay alive in this capitalist hellscape that we find ourselves. Um, also going through a divorce right now, which is now public knowledge because um, I talked about it in a few episodes, but that just kind of makes everything feel kind of shitty. Yeah. I don't think I realized that. I didn't think I realized. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't, don't get married to cis white litter gays. They're not mm. great. <laughs> well, I got married to a cis white straight man, so I don't know, but yeah. we'll see. <laughs> he seems to be doing some like redemptive things in his life to make yeah. up for that. Yes, I um he's he kind of goes like undercover in a lot of spaces that maybe the three of us could not go to yeah. secretly disrupt. So, you know. That's that's an important thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Pace, will you be moving too? Or did you already move? I already moved. I am in Minneapolis right now. So much closer to you than I was when we yeah. recorded our last one when I was in DC still. So yes. Midwest represent. Yay. I'm learning all about Midwestern nice and Minnesota nice. It's so Sorry. Fun. I mean <laughs> not the part we want our like rep, but right, right. So, but like all of a sudden for real coming out here all of a sudden so much of like elca polity and stuff makes so much more sense right i right. had not realized that i was out here it's like oh this is where it comes mm-hmm. from yeah mm-hmm. yep yep totally like some of it is like whiteness but like in general but um mm-hmm. you know there's other overwhelmingly white midwest well not midwest overwhelmingly white mainline protestant denominations that like Definitely still have like the whiteness and stuff, but like the specific bl- like brand of niceness, the sort of like upper Midwestern niceness. Like yeah. when I write emails with the Episcopalians, I don't know if this is your experience. Um, like I don't have to do the like one paragraph of like, hello, I hope you are doing that. Da, 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 da. I can just like write what I have to say. And it's very liberating. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not I should do that, I don't. Because well, you know what? Good understand yeah it's it's been nice to be not in the midwest because for there was a little bit of time where i was starting to get the midwest nice stuff and Mm -hmm. like embody it like Mm -hmm. it was starting to infect me yeah and then i moved to baltimore it gets you not baltimore are you all both from the midwest originally no i'm from colorado originally Okay. And Pennsylvania originally. Okay. Which Pennsylvania is like maybe Midwest adjacent, but it's it's like its own thing sort of. But yeah, I'm like originally from the Midwest, but I just always kind of felt like I was a Martian dropped here because there's definitely plenty of Midwest stuff I've internalized. <laughs> but I was always mm-hmm. being told like that I basically wasn't doing it right for like everything, right? So, um, So it's like I'm somehow like somehow this is supposed to be like my native language, the Midwest nice. And then I still like frequently just failed at it. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm constantly, 
um, told, not at this particular church I just started at, thankfully, but like at a church back in California of all places had a Midwestern pastor there. And she, mm. anytime I was direct, I, I would speak in this tone of voice and everything, but I would just be direct. And she would say I was yelling at her every single time. And I was just yeah. being direct. I was just saying. Yep. So. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. I believe you. Okay, we got um, on a weird tangent, Midwest tangent. It's all but... good. It's all good. <laughs> um, so this is our Thanksgiving episode. So um comes out on Thanksgiving. So just want to take a quick moment to say, you know, Thanksgiving is kind of a shitty holiday and to tell the truth about Thanksgiving and the mm-hmm. kind of colonization entwined with it. And we'll have in our show notes, um, just like last year, resources about how to do some truth telling around Thanksgiving and maybe bring that mm-hmm. into some your own kind of family uh, traditions or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then in our get- episode last, our episode that we did last year with UL, um, the Adams Family Values has some great truth telling in the Thanksgiving <laughs> uh, play that they did. So yes. that's yes. a good one to check out. Mm-hmm. And then um, also, because of this being a holiday, our Queer Holiday Survival Guide mini-sode from last year. I'll make sure that's linked in the show notes because holidays can be quite unfun slash traumatic slash even unsafe for many mm-hmm. queer folks. So mm-hmm. we have some tips in that episode with guest uh, Susanna Porter. So that'll be linked in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. And then the last announcement I have is holiday cards, which um, you can will be linked in the show notes as well. But if you want to send some horror themed holiday cards uh go to the link in the show notes they're really fun um we have my favorite one is a person it personally is the one that says i want to cuddle and watch scary movies with you as like a little mm. love card you can send to yeah. a crush or a beloved uh, but all sorts of fun ones out there so yeah they are fantastic i love those holiday cards like mm-hmm. last year when you first came out with them, I was like, oh, these are amazing. I want them all. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is fun not ha- uh, being the only like true blue horror fan among two not huge horror fans. But what have you all been watching? Have you all watched anything spooky or anything fun or just? I'm trying to think of if we watch anything spooky. You know what I've been... You know what I've been getting into or was getting into around Halloween was um, with my nephew, who is like a preschooler, we made like a blanket fort. And then in the blanket fort on my phone, we would watch on YouTube some of the like vintage, like Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, like Halloween episodes, Ooh. like Donald Duck goes trick or treating. And then like, you know, the witch, or, or Donald Duck and his like nephews come trick or treating and the witch like messes with him. Anyway, there's that one. So that's probably this, <laughs> maybe the spookiest <laughs> I have really been watching. Yeah. Has, has your nephew gotten into Vampirina? I don't know if you all have access to Disney plus. I think we do, but I don't think, um, I don't think that he watches that one. If I'm remembering correctly. Fantastic. Is that? I'm totally biased because my favorite four-year-old loves Vampirina. And we did a BooTube last spring on Vampirina for our vampire season. But, um, and she was on. She was our special, special guest. Oh my gosh. I'll have to go listen to that because that sounds very adorable. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much yeah. right, so. It's true. I don't, I watch The Addams Family. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Congrats. Same. Uh, I, I don't remember if I had watched this before or after our last one. I did watch like three of the Halloween Town movies. Oh, I watched Book of Life on Disney Ooh. Plus and it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. It's I also watched Coco, obviously, which our oh Patreon supporters know because we did a cry, movie cry, commentary cry. on it. Yeah, cry right? forever. Mm-hmm. Never stop crying. Yeah, but Book of Life is also a Day of the Dead animated movie and it's so good and it gets mm. into like Cibalba and um, La Muerte and like so fantastic i was like this is adorable and i love it highly recommend i've been on a true crime kick which is definitely horror if not at very least horror adjacent Mm -hmm. so i finished watching the watcher which is based on a true crime sort of story real life story about kind of haunting of a house that isn't actually a haunting um but won't reveal more about that and also been watching part two of the vow about the um what is that cult called about a cult (laughs) so you know i will watch true crime so you know i listen Mm. to a lot of i listen to a lot of true crime probably too much true crime some of it's more problematic than others but i tried to watch the watcher and i got afraid because the thing that it that bother that scares me the reason i can take like the most gruesome true crime and i can totally hang but i can't hang in horror movies like real horror movies is the the soundtrack it's that the noise in the background the kind of high pitch that like builds and builds and builds and builds like for some reason i just like it makes me so afraid <laughs> i cannot handle it so yes yes so i thought i Susanna has talked about like not thinking about certain things like um oh no i'm blanking the one with the white women who are like enslaved to handmaids yeah yeah Yeah, that kind of feels like horror also yeah but like susanna had never thought was talking about this at one point and had never talked like had never thought of it as horror and then pace was like um yeah that's, like dystopian horror, futures but it's so like yeah i don't think of dystopian futures as horror either until right something. it's kind of like because it's like dystopian futures tend to be sci-fi right sometimes mm-hmm. um not always but sometimes and so then it like feels like a different genre but then actually but there is other like horror sci-fi like alien movies and stuff like scary mm-hmm. alien movies so yeah yep. and we just watched sunshine we just had an episode on sunshine at the beginning of the month and that w- that's fantastic. It it is dystopian sci-fi. The sun is dying, and they're trying to jumpstart the sun, but also has like Yikes. a little bit of horror elements. It's fantastic. I love dystopias. I did not think about them as horror, and now I'm going to, and yes. I'm going to reclaim my mm-hmm. identity as a partial horror fan. See, yeah. see, told you. I mean, what is a zombie movie except a dystopian film? Mm-hmm. Basically, that's true. It's, it's true. That's- yeah, I guess if if we're like if we're saying that there's all these different kinds of horror and like true crime counts and dystopian stuff counts, then I guess I like horror. And I do like the campy type of like horror that is Adam's family and some of the other yeah. you know mm-hmm. stuff like that. 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. Remember Idle Hands? Yes. That's I one that do I that like. One of these day. Devin okay. Sawa. I I love that one. It's yeah. so good. There's plus there's like a lot of because it's it's like Seth Green, right? And there's like a hand mm-hmm. that's possess- the hands are his hands are possessed. So it's there's some like churchy mm-hmm. stuff, right? So it might be might be a good episode. I would tune in for that. Magic episode. hands, possessed, yep. but bad ones. Yeah, yeah. That uh, actually is fascinating, and I'm here for it. Speaking of real life horror, though, and all the various ways that horror can be interpreted and lived and experienced, do you have a real life church horror story? We ask this of all of our guests. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't want to repeat the one that I used before. And fortunately, unfortunately, there's like so many of them. Right. So the one that came to mind that I was going to do, like tell you all, share with you all this time was that I was with Alice and we were visiting family in another state. And this family, like this part of our family sort of goes to church, but maybe like not that much. Right. So they, mm-hmm. we were in town and we're like, let's go to church. And so, um, they like didn't know that this was going to happen is what I'm saying. Right. Okay. Yeah, or yeah. maybe, or it's maybe like, like it was their congregation that they were actively involved in. Right. Or like they'd been there a few times, but like they, they didn't know this would happen because like they didn't have kids and like, you know, they maybe aren't the sort of people that are like involved enough in a church to like have either seen or, or to be asking those questions. Right. Like for me mm-hmm. before now, because of the hashtag, the trauma before I like set foot in a church, I'm like, what do you think about, anti-racism LGBTQI right but like I think it's you know and this was a while ago this was maybe like a decade ago so I don't think everyone like real you know really was at the place yet where we're like oh before we go into spaces we like ask these questions so Mm -hmm. all that to say I don't at all like blame the family members but we went to um, a church that they had kind of like gone to a few times and I had my daughter with me Alice and she was six at the time and Mm -hmm. um or seven maybe but she, um, first of all, this shouldn't have happened anyway, but she, just to preface, even for people who are sort of maybe like, quote unquote, purists about re- receiving communion, she was baptized and had received instruction, right? Like she at that mm-hmm. age, um, I'm not the sort of person that thinks that you have to be able to like recite the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer and the Creed to be able to earn baptism. I don't think that's how that works. But if, even if you were a person who thinks that's how that works, like she could do that. Right. So she like had, had received instruction. She was baptized. And so we had gone to uh, this church and it was time for communion. And so we went up and literally at the altar, like this pastor turned her away and I'm standing there up at the altar like arguing with this pastor and I'm saying she's baptized and she's received instruction and they're just like, Nope. And just like, I'm like, we're up there and she starts crying. Right. Because this is a kid who, you know, like at that time I wasn't um, a pastor yet, but I was working in the church. I've always worked in the Mm -hmm. church. She was raised before she came to live with me in a place that was like very churchy. So like this kid like grew up around church stuff and it was really important to her. And so she's like this little six year old, just crying. And I'm like, you know, at this point holding her at the altar and like arguing with this pastor and like, he just like would not commune her. So we walked out and as we're walking out, she said, she's like crying and she looks at me and she goes like through her tears. She said, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Hmm. I know. I know. Gosh. So I was just like, so completely 
devastated by that, not only yeah. because it's like my child. So like her being rejected, you know, at the, at the altar and from the sacraments like hurts me, but also as a parent feeling like, Oh shit, I like did not protect her from this. Like mm-hmm. I should have asked these questions or read a website or what, you know, before walking through the doors. Yeah. They should and have so, had it in their bulletin. If you restrict who right. can come for communion, you need to put that in your bulletin, in your materials. I'm also like, so if in your material, you know, if, if you like, if your restriction is like, this was the sort of church, I think they might've been, they were like not super clear, even what the denomination they were, but I think they Mm. might've been Missouri Synod. And, um, I'm like, again, (laughs) like, I don't know. It's like, it, it just, if you hear someone who says like, she's baptized and has received instruction, which again, I don't think that should even be like the gatekeepy thing. Like you, maybe you would be like, oh shit, maybe I should like deal with this later. So uh, anyway, we, the way that we ended up sort of resolving this is first of all, me and um, her godparents like sent some very um, strongly worded emails to this pastor who did end up apologizing, which did mean a lot to Alice at the time. But Mm -hmm. um, right afterwards, we, you know, we like walked out, we left church and we went to the farmer's market. And so I gave her, it was like orange ca- cranberry bread and mm. beet juice for communion. Yes. And then we like pet the horses. So that was how we kind of, you know, recovered. But it was definitely, I mean, she will still talk about it. <laughs> like it, like sh- it really left a mark on her. And I know, um, you know, that was like one experience for her. But obviously a lot of people have been turned away at the rail for communion or sometimes like many of us who are LGBTQIA plus, we can't even get in the freaking doors, right? Um, or for mm-hmm. accessibility stuff, there's a lot of people who can't even get in the doors. So that is my, one of my, from my collection of <laughs> church horror stories. Right, yeah. right. Oh, and that's like, there's so much about who Alice is and how she lives her life that I'm like, hmm, you took this traumatic experience that you never should have had to have Mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. said nobody else. Yeah, yeah. Which yes. is like kudos to her and kudos to her grownups and oh, her thanks. community for raising her, mm-hmm. and also like the horror that seriously. I yeah. I just mm-hmm. like I am a little bit like I don't know. I'm a little bit like as an ordained person, and again, I get different traditions have different boundaries and beliefs but I just am like I think it would be really hard for me to like sleep at night seeing like a little kindergarten Mm -hmm. age baby like crying at the altar like desiring communion so bad and just be like yeah that was probably the right thing (laughs) like I right like no and like even if you can't like if you're LCMS that's like a whole denominational issue right that you have (laughs) right but also, like, there is a difference between saying, like, no, and then just, like, buckling down in arguments and saying, and, like, getting on Alice's level and being like, hey, there are these rules in this congregation, and I know that's not how you experience them, and I'm really sorry, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's not within my powers to break those rules or something, right? Like, you right. could explain it in yep. a way that she could maybe kind of understand and still disagree with because it's right. still bullshit. Bullshit. But, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Ugh. Like so many opportunities to do, if not the right thing, the less fucked thing. And yet here we are, <laughs> right. which right. is honestly like um, if I, 
if I were to write another book, which I don't really have plans to write another book, but if I was to write another book about the church, you could very easily make that the title. Like so many opportunities to do the less fucked thing. And then um, the subtitle (laughs) would be like, and yet here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I think so often too, there's so much church trauma that is associated with like evangelicalism and fundamentalism and so many like progressive or liberal theological spaces that think that they don't do that to people. And I'm not saying like this congregation does not sound like one of the like progressive liberal ones, but there's so much their main line, you know, it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like a quote unquote evangelical space. And, and yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely, oh gosh, now I'm being, I'm pulling up all of these horror stories from progressive mm-hmm. spaces. Right. So yeah, you're so right. Yeah. That just means yeah. we'll have to have you back on. <laughs> right. Maybe we'll just have this since there are now the computer animated Adam's families, like we can Ooh. just make this our Thanksgiving series. tradition. Of- <laughs> yeah. yeah. We could do a boo tube for the Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I like this plan. Now comes, yep, now comes, though, the awkward transition, which thankfully we have music to help us with now. Um, We're going to talk about The Addams Family. Um, So, came out in 1991, was directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, who is most known for this and also the Men in Black series. He directed the first three mm. of those. Uh, what was the first time you've seen this movie? I actually, like, grew up on Adam's Family. I was re-watching mm-hmm. this with my, like, mom and my sister for this thing mm-hmm. and for like this podcast thing and I mm-hmm. we were reminiscing about how like actually super inappropriate it was that I think I was like first seeing it as like a small child right and we just like watched it all the time <laughs> as children and there's so many things obviously that like went over my head I think one year maybe my brother was dressed up as the the baby from the sequel you know that we already oh, that yeah. we did last year so yeah so I was like definitely a small child when I first saw this I think this was the first time that I've seen this. I like I have memories of Adam's family. Wow. Um, I I don't know what though. Like only in black and white. So I don't know if there's another Adam's family. That would have been the original television show. Okay. That aired yeah. in the nineteen sixties. Yeah. So I like probably saw some of those episodes and at camp we frequently our sun graces at camp were to different tunes and the Adams Family tune was one of them. Um, so I was very familiar with the Adams Family tune theme song. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think this was the first time that I actually watched this movie, which is, you know, everybody take a shot in our fun right. HNAC drinking game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, similar to you, Elle, I grew up on these movies and so i love i love that like my parents were thinking they were putting in this harmless com- <laughs> uh, horror comedy movie and they're instead indoctrinating me in like alternative families and queer and kink yes. and all this fun That's stuff so, so funny yeah um i have a little bit of background for this movie uh so uh first 
uh, go back, and this will be linked in the show notes, but you can listen to our episode on the sequel, Adam's Family Values, to get a whole lot of background info, because I'm not going to repeat a lot mm. of that stuff, but just some big um, brush kind of overview here. Uh, so Adam's Family is created as a comic, a cartoon in the New Yorker by likely member of the queer fam, Charles Adams. Like he was married mm. to... I think two women over the course of his life, but that doesn't mean anything. Us, uh, right. we all I proud, represent and stuff. So, mm-hmm. but um, he was very eccentric and just seems like a really cool kind of queer kind of guy. Uh, but turned, uh, so the film it became super popular when it was turned to the TV show in the 1960s, which is why I think you are thinking of Emily. Mm-hmm. Um, this it made its big screen debut with this film in 1991, and then there's the sequel, Adam's Family Values, which came out in '93, which we have that episode on. And then there's a mostly forgotten about all new cast directed video, Adam's Family Reunion film, which came out in '98, I want to say, with Tim Curry as Gomez. So mm-hmm. I think it's notable just for Tim Curry being in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, there's the two animated movies plus the all new series Wednesday about an adult Wednesday Adams, which is coming out the day before this episode comes out on mm-hmm. Wednesday since we come out on Thursdays. Oh, right. And that's coming out on that Netflix. Intentional. And, yep. Tim Burton's involved in it, and Christina Ricci has cameo in it. Um, yes. And uh, Jenna, oh, I can't think of her, Jenna Ortega, who's been in Scream and X and a few other horror movies, is playing Wednesday. So it's. This oh, sounds like this would be really cool. So, nice. um, definitely excited to check that out, and we'll likely do a bootube on that sometime mm-hmm. soon. So, yeah. Stay tuned Jenna, for a Patreon. Yeah. Or not Jenna. Um, Christina Ricci. I. She is the Wednesday that I think yes. I know. Yes. Who is the Wednesday in this movie? Yes. Oh, and and Adam's me. family values uh, the other one uh, that we watched. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) wonderful. Um, that's good to know. I am excited about this Wednesday TV show. I think it should be fun. Although I'm less excited about Tim Burton, but that's because Tim Burton is Tim Burton. Um. Anyway, so diving into our summary, um. My token one-sentence summary of the movie, a solid and loving family is nearly swindled out of their house and wealth by evil loan sharks until lightning strikes and brings all the memories flooding back. Yes. Dun-dun-dun, as you say. Yes. Dun-dun-dun. That's a great one-sentence summary. It's so good. Thanks. We used to have, like, really long summaries, and then they just were really long, and so now we do, like, more bullet-pointy Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I just can't help it because I. When did it start? It started with, I think maybe the Twilight Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Yeah, and the Multiverse yeah. of Madness. You did that one episode about uh, that one sentence about the white guy who. Oh yeah. everything up. Yeah, it it started us on this on this lovely track of one sentence summaries. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in the movie, and feel free to jump in with anything that stuck out to you or that um, you want to add, but the Adams Family lawyer, Tully? Tully? I don't Tully. know. Yeah. Tully. Tully is trying to find ways to steal the Adams Family wealth, which is a whole bunch of doubloons. 
<laughs> I don't know what those are, except that they are very heavy coins when you pack <laughs> an entire suitcase full of them. Um, and figures out that, and he owns money. He owes money to this loan shark lady who has a quote unquote son who looks just like Fester, except that he has hair. And so they devise a scheme to scam the Adams family out of their wealth because 25 years ago, Fester Adams had disappeared, had gotten in a fight with Gomez and had disappeared. And so the Adams family is trying, as they do every year, to do a seance to contact Fester. Yep, yep. And just a quick, just to quick jump in and say doubloons are spanish gold from like spanish armada conquistador area so that so of course there's a horror connection there to imperialism and all that fun stuff and colonialism but also uh also connection to gomez's heritage um being played by raul julia and all that stuff so yeah i would not have guessed that because doubloons is not spanish at all like that's not so, yeah. a Spanish pronunciation or anything. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> completely. Yeah, over but yeah, I think like Gomez is like canonically Spanish American, right? And then Morticia is like French American or something. Something like that, yeah. But then they randomly just speak random Italian throughout the whole thing because right? I was watching it with my, you know, my family who includes, you know, we're Italian Americans, and then uh, other parts of our family are Spanish Americans, like like immigrants spanish immigrants to the united states and we're just like wait a minute what is this what this is a little bit inconsistent that's fine though just like romance languages all over the place right right yeah yeah and then their latin uh we're jumping a little bit ahead but the latin phrase um that morticia claims is their family uh motto is not actually a real latin phrase so made up latin just so you know Oh, disappointing. I was hoping that we would get that piece of information from someone. <laughs> disappointed that it's not real Latin. <sighs> anyway, um, so the family, the Adams family and Fester go through a series of trust and distrust and suspicion and fake psychological diagnoses and by <laughs> a fake German I don't know is she real what's her real accent right. who is she I like how she calls herself Kinderschloss which Kinder of course is German for kid I think Schloss mm-hmm. is just made up but like cool <laughs> weird weird yeah. little just un, just this really weird bad unnecessary fake German accent that yeah. she can't even like carry through the whole time so it's just it's kind of telling to her character of like clearly not someone to be trusted yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah oh castle schloss is castle so child castle like child castle so that fits for someone who kind of kidnaps people mm-hmm. but we're getting ahead of ourselves um <laughs> so the family eventually at the children's play does every adams family movie have a kids play because I think it should. At least the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't actually like think about the fact that this is not even like the first. 
or I mean, it is the first because the other movie is a sequel. But like this happens in both movies that there's like yeah. a, a violent, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a taking mm-hmm. over of the play, changing up yeah. the play. Yeah. So Fester has helped Wednesday and Pugsley work on their act from Shakespeare for their like elementary school play. Mm-hmm. It feels like elementary school based on the other act. Um, and eventually that leads quote unquote Gordon, who is Fester. Um, yeah to start to prefer the Adams family over his own mother, quote unquote, mother. That was actually a part that was just not the play, but like right before mm-hmm. the play that was just like literally ripping my little heart out, like little auntie heart out was mm-hmm. like where Gordon slash Fester had like promised to help with the play. And then his like mother, who's like a kidnapper um, was like, you can't, you have to like stay here and like, they'll all be gone. And then you can get, you know, into their, money and da, da, da. and so then he like had to tell the the kids like sorry I know I promised I would like help you with this play and show up for your play but like I'm not going to do it and they're like so heartbroken mm-hmm. you know but then he does he ends up showing up and like coming through but like that was just like oh gosh as like a as an auntie was like just ripping my little heart out being like oh yeah. man because that's when you really see I feel like over time it's building that he's starting to like really like care about the Adams mm-hmm. Adamses but like I felt like that is when you really see like that like conflict yeah. and tension where he's like oh I think actually this is my family yeah and that's also ultimately where he does make an active decision about it he's not yeah. just bullied into whatever his mom is trying his quote unquote mother is trying to make him do so he actually like goes and shows up at the play and gives them the stuff so that they can literally like baptize people with blood in the first couple rows of the audience as they you know die as Wednesday dies a pain a bloody death um I just loved also well yeah I just loved how the blood it was not even just like a spray um, it was like a spurt, like it would like, mm-hmm. it would like stop and start, like it would spurt like rhythmically. <laughs> You're like, whoa, this is, this is, this is a lot. <laughs> yeah. And it's like real smart construction. Like it's, yeah. it's impressive. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, and then at the going away party, Wednesday goes to try and find Fester and finds out about Gordon and his mother and, um, and then runs away, and Gomez and Fester dance the mamushka for a like variety you. of yeah for a variety of people, including Jack the Ripper. So <laughs> I was like, hey, I I don't know who Jack the Ripper actually is, but I know it's connected to horrific things because of the name. That's all I got on Jack the Ripper. Um, Jack the Ripper was a serial killer who like old school killed, killer. yeah old school mm. serial killer in Great Britain who killed a bunch of sex workers in the late 1800s uh, in real life and now of course has been turned into all sorts of fictional okay yeah there have been several serial killers who kill sex workers yeah a lot of them target sex workers because people are you know less likely to care basically it's like easier to get away with so which is so fucked yeah yep that's 
Mm-hmm. Um, so then the lawyer Tully devises a scheme to kick the Adamses out and the annoyed neighbor judge who keeps getting golf balls um, hit into his windows, through his windows, um, rules that the Adams estate belongs to Fester as the oldest living Adams. That, the that like, the judge neighbor guy, like, mm-hmm. I didn't understand a lot about this movie when I was a little kid watching it, but I definitely understood, like, them hitting the golf ball and then it breaking a window and landing in that guy's cereal and him being really mad. So like, that Mm -hmm. was just like very, uh, like just good physical humor. I felt like it's just so, so good. Yeah. That was a good one. Um, I, yeah. And I, I like, and you can see this in the way that Gordon Fester's like progression happens, right? Like there are, times where he's totally clueless about things like the finger trap or whatever. And then mm-hmm. other times where it just like the, the like unthinkingly just falls into fester and mm-hmm. they both have like synchronized golfing and mm-hmm. mamushka dancing. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so Gordon quote unquote, Gordon, this is hard to try and like do the summary when he has the two different names and yeah. Multiple identities going on. Yeah. Yep. So Gordon, Tully, and the mother can't get into the vault even when they have the entire house and estate to themselves. And so eventually try to torture the trick to getting it out, to getting to it out of Morticia, um, which is fascinating (laughs) thing like finds out and then tries to go back and tell gomez but also she does not seem particularly perturbed by what they're doing to her and yeah and when gomez finds her it's like they you know they're not they're not they're not shy about pdas they probably would have gone further if other people were not there but like they were fine with that. Like, there's a reason they have that those that equipment around. It's the in house. their house, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. for walking dogs. <laughs> yeah, um, and so in the ensuing rescue, uh, by technically, I guess by Gomez of, uh, well, Gomez and Fester like team up with a book of hurricane. And um, in that ensuing rescue, Gordon gets struck by lightning and gets his memory back and remembers that he actually is Fester and that this person who he had been calling mother had actually found him in the Bermuda Triangle and like then brainwashed him into thinking that she was his mother. The Bermuda mm-hmm. Triangle is one of those things that as a child I thought was going to be much more of an of a thing to actually worry Sorry. about that in my adult life it has not come up at all. Kind of yeah. like quicksand. I'm like, wow, yeah. I just really thought that you just had to be dodging <laughs> quicksand all the time or like, oh, watch out, Bermuda Triangle. And that's literally come up zero times as an adult for me. Yeah. Yeah. There is like a thing about the Bermuda Triangle that there are particular places on the earth that – it is 
that we actually don't have like radio contact and stuff mm-hmm. with planes and other vehicles that are traveling in them. But yeah, the Bermuda Triangle is this huge thing as kids. Mm-hmm. For nothing. Like, I don't go to Bermuda, so that's probably <laughs> at least part of it. Right. I, I'm but, like not in that area. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe it would be different if that was like a regular, you know, home for me or something. Yeah. But, yeah. Guess we're ready to get into our deep dive then for the day and talk all about the religious shit and queer shit of this movie. There's a lot of all the above. Um, and it's really fun. Stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. so. um, we can start because uh, this kind of goes to a few of the points we put here in the outline. It's just like how weird the atoms are yet they're to like this kind of cishet normative understanding of what a family should be like with 2.5 kids and all that stuff um they literally have 2.5 kids right (laughs) um especially yeah and um kind of and this paradise parodying of that to make it like very queer very spooky uh very weird uh and as I was watching it this time, I so a lot in our last episode, we talked about the queerness of the Adams family. But this time watching it, I'm thinking of it as somebody who is on the autism spectrum. And just like how Gomez, like, firing a golf into his neighbor's house and the neighbor's reaction, like, Gomez just does not understand <laughs> the way that I often don't understand people's body language and stuff like that. So it's like, oh, there maybe there's a piece there too of just like not quite getting the niceties or the Minnesota nice go back to earlier mm-hmm. part of our yeah. conversation yeah. and not quite getting it and just kind of living in your own understanding of what it means to be human and just the bliss and joy that he and Morticia have without worrying about all those cultural niceties and the ways to act and all that crap. Yeah, I think it's wild that it's like, in parodying like the sort of stereotypical nuclear family the way that we flip that on the head is that the husband actually likes the wife a lot right (laughs) because like the trope (laughs) the trope in our super like fucked up like misogynist capitalistic nuclear family bullshit is like the old ball and chain and like Mm -hmm. that married people hate each other or something you know not that like you know obviously it's not like conflict or toxic shit doesn't happen in like non cishet relationships or something but mm-hmm. just like or that like conflict should not exist right right right, like, right. but it's like the trope that like the trope of husband and wife is like she's a nag and he hates her resents mm-hmm. her right like and so him into getting married yes and- yes and so then it's like to flip that on its head it's like gomez is just like freaking wild about morticia like to the mm-hmm. fact to the point that we're all like okay <laughs> we <Right>. get it <laughs> yeah like when they when they bid for the oh yeah the auction <laughs> to get the finger trap back. It's so funny. They are like always on. I just don't understand like that level of just like always, always on. Yes, totally. Sounds exhausting. <laughs> oh, I do love. I do love that. That the way, and that like. 
I know, Pace, you were talking about, like, autism spectrum and, like, neurodivergence for, like, just the disconnect. And I think that's true. And I also think, like, there is something just, like, so extremely queer, maybe in the, like, queer theory kind of sense, right? But Mm -hmm. about just the way that, like, even their, like, who they count as family is largely their bio fam. Like, Mm -hmm. it's Mama, Gomez, Morticia, Wednesday, Pugsley, and then Uncle Fester. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have, like, Thing and Lurch and then extended family and stuff. But, like, they really are, like, this bio fam. And also, it is very much chosen family Mm -hmm. in a way that is beautiful and, like, pushes against the assumption of biofam as the be-all end-all. Yeah. I was thinking, so, again, like I said, I, like, grew up watching this movie so much, but I hadn't watched it since I was, like, young. And so I was watching it. I actually couldn't remember if at the end Fester is, like, truly like bio atoms or if it's like they all sort of just decide to opt into believing that and ask pace I was like wait I don't understand yeah I think the intention is that like the lightning reversed the amnesia and that Fester really Mm -hmm. sort of truly was like bio Adams family whatever but it part of me is like and maybe like it also would have been a cool storyline if it's like Mm -hmm. we're all just like choosing to like opt into this like family origin story and just like bring you in yeah and that's and that seemed like where they were headed anyway Mm -hmm. especially when he finally turns on Tully and the mother like with the book where he's like that's the wrong book (laughs) <laughs> and then pulls out Irma's hurricane or whatever. Yeah. Um, and we also see that in the sequel too, like, I know we're not covering that here, but like that continues into the sequel when they just embrace Debbie as uh, Fester's girlfriend and then eventual wife. It, it's not until she like cuts herself off from the family and it's clearly just in it for the money. And there's that whole black widow subplot there, but like mm-hmm. it, it just, they have this openness and embracing of just like, If you're here, you're here, and we treat you as family. Mm -hmm. Also, I love the, like, upside-down values, too, because the way that they value Wednesday, right? Wednesday is a genius, Mm -hmm. and she pays really good attention. She knows something's up from the beginning, and she persists and, like, is willing to trust and willing to risk, but also, like, is not going to ignore things and that in so many ways is like such a great danger for culture that like the fake fester right gordon calls her a nosy little brat and i was like that's real i've been in that situation that wednesday's in right now yep where you like ask too many questions mm-hmm. you're causing Correct. trouble Correct your math teacher too many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like that's they value it and they love it and they think it's great. And Fester, as he's like getting to know them and getting to love them again, like value starts to value that too. Yeah. 
And also that flipping of values is just something that continues throughout the whole thing in the ways that it is a parody, of course, of uh, this nuclear family, but also the way it's done intentionally throughout kind of to comedic effect, but also just like in a very pointed way of understanding queerness. You brought up queer theory, Emily, like Mm -hmm. a, a Queerness as something that is able to deconstruct a normative narrative. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when there's that Barbara Bush picture, and they're like, oh, this is uh, so-and-so's um, favorite uh, person she wants to grow up to be or whatever, or to meet. And um, how Morticia is just like, did you talk to her parents? <laughs> like, in this, oh, like, hmm, yeah. this is clearly, uh, this is clearly uh, not somebody this little girl should aspire to be. Mm-hmm. And, of course. Uh, Wednesday pick Calpurnia Adams who is burned at the stake for being a witch so like just kind of showing the the uh, upside down values as you said yeah and they do still even within that have like the the spaces where there are clear values that come through right Lone Shark is clearly evil mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that is a very real evil yes like predatory lending bad for yes. everyone except for the lo- lender mm-hmm. and bad for the lender in a different way but mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah and then the like pretending to be somebody that they're not that dishonesty with your own identity which then we find out comes from like 25 years of being told that you're someone that you're not um and but yeah there's like some like especially with the like the mother who's like pretending to be the German psychologist or like whatever. It's like so different from the Adamses who are like freaking weird, but they're just like really true about who they are, what they believe. Yep. Like they're like very authentic and very open as opposed to, you know, we don't trust like this mother because we know that like she is like fake. She's like yeah. rejecting this whole fake identity. Yeah. And what's interesting here also is like a queer reading of Fester, who's kind of being indoctrinated into this cishet life Mm. um, for 25 years. Mm. And then, of course, the real true him breaks through and like can never fully be contained in that like heteronormative space that his uh, mom, in quotation marks, is trying to force him into. And so like how he's able to keep... uh, the queerness shines through even. Mm-hmm. Um... And then to like, now I'm thinking about also that the show from last year, right? That then it, it, that space for Fester continues. Like that is something that is traceable through the movies because in the next movie, like there is this pull towards compulsory heteronormativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another sort of like, I don't know, like trauma cycle generations of trauma, like family system stuff where it's like, mm-hmm. it actually makes a lot of sense that after being through this horrible cycle with his, you know, fake mom, quote unquote mom, in this like really inappropriate, weird relationship that's like very exploitative, very whatever, mm-hmm. it like makes sense that So many of us who have experienced, you know, abuse in our families of origin or whatever, it's so easy to get lured into similar patterns of relationships in our adult lives because it's familiar, even if it's really toxic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, there's a, 
I think it's helpful to like have the it's been 25 years because probably when she first found Fester, she treated him really kindly Mm. and was very motherly to him and like caring. And then we get to this and there's such like the domestic violence cycle with between her and Fester Gordon is so quick, right? She hits him and then, oh no, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Are you okay? I love you. Like that usually it takes at least minutes, if not hours or days to like go through that cycle in domestic violence situations. And yet for, it's just like everything is so fast and partly because it's a parody that everything is exaggerated and Mm -hmm. time and stuff but yeah the that it has escalated over the 25 years yeah into this yeah Mm -hmm. also we have to talk about kink because that's like that's a big part of gomez and morticia's relationship yeah um I my favorite quote from that is the like last night you fright Morticia telling Gomez last night you frightened me you were like some unhinged demon (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, but I do think like the Adams family is this beautiful like example of kink in the way that like they take something that can be literally deadly um, something that can be really scary and really harmful and part of kink for a lot of people is figuring out how to make it not deadly but still like to have um, experiences in that in a consensual way right like have the to like have the way to have the the space or get to the place in your own nervous system that you're like experiencing that kind of intensity without having like the actual I don't know safety or lack of safety or the actual Mm -hmm. threat because everyone's sort of like opted in and prepared for it yeah where it feels risky and is not unsafe and that's a tricky part But I, I think that's for the Adams family. That line of what is safe and unsafe is a little bit different than the <laughs> yes. average person as those who electrocute her brother. Right. Um, playing right. this game, is there a god? And Morticia is like, no, we don't have time for it. But then Pugsy is like begging, like, please, mom, can I be electrocuted and die? And, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. It's just childhood fun. So it's like, so their boundaries and lines and stuff, of course, is different than the typical persons but even right. so like you said it's still based on consent it's still mm-hmm. um, based on safety and trust with each other yeah as a family. and there's this like exploration of death that is like exciting for Wednesday and Pugsley but it's also like romantic and I don't want to glorify death in a way that is harmful but there is this like so much of our culture is so death phobic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that like we just are 
are not willing to talk about it, are not willing to engage it, none of that. Um, And we talked about this a lot on our All Saints episode this year for Nerds at Church. We had a um, Justin Thornburg, who I think you also know, Elle, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. from seminary. Um, and he was on as a death doula. And so we had a great conversation with them about death and this way that like so much of our culture is just so afraid of death. And so then when it comes to the Adams family, this like romantic or romance of death is actually really refreshing because it they're not shying away from it. They're not like actually trying to actively die in this moment, right? Mm-hmm. But they they recognize it as this mysterious thing, as this powerful thing. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I'm thinking too about like in Shakespeare and in like many other sort of like literary things like death as a euphemism for orgasm or like Mm -hmm. connection with Mm -hmm. sex there. And I was thinking too, as we were talking about, you know, part of the point of kink for some people is sort of getting your nervous system to this activated space where you like feel danger, even if the danger is not true. And I think there's some like horror movie connections there because, you know, Mm -hmm. some people are like, why would you even like horror movies or like why, you know, or other sort of like maybe thrill seeky things like, I don't know, bungee jumping or roller coasters or something. It's like, why would you want to feel afraid? But it's like a similar sort of idea of like your embodied self Mm-hmm. Your nervous system being activated in such a way where you're sort of experiencing this fear, but you also sort of have a little bit of a safety net of being like, well, but this is still in somewhat of a controlled environment. And so I wonder if there's mm-hmm. like, yeah, part of the like allure or the romance around like the connections with like sex and death and danger and all that stuff is like the in our society there's like so much of us that's repressed and controlled and like death Mm -hmm. is uncontrollable it's like the one thing that equalizes all people like doesn't matter how rich you are doesn't matter you know like what color your skin is like everyone one day will die now obviously when and how and what that looks like varies different drastically based on like systems of oppression and identities but like there's this thing that no matter how many bajillions of dollars you have and how many rockets you launch into space in your free time (laughs) you too one day will die right like so there's this sort of thing that's like death as totally out of control and um that reminds me of like some of the death as out of our control and maybe the um the allure of since we experience so much repression oppression just being controlled feeling like we have to control ourselves like some of that sexual liberation and freedom Mm -hmm. of being like totally un inhibited right like just totally free totally uncontained so for me I wonder if like that's where some of that connection comes in of like just like the wild untamedness of you know death and danger and the sexual element for that too yeah also I think I as you were talking I was thinking about the like exposure therapy which is like a real therapy thing Um, but a friend of the podcast, Susanna Porter, (laughs) has talked about, like, watching Handmaid's Tale or watching the, like, cult and murder and true crime type of shows as exposure therapy because especially for folks who are socialized as women and girls, 
growing up, like there is this built in, you should be afraid of everything. Yeah. And yeah. you are not safe. And and there's real trauma and harm that has actually happened, right? Like it's mm-hmm. not like that fear is totally baseless. Um, mm-hmm. But having a show that you can watch that's a horror movie or a true crime movie or whatever that you can also turn off mm-hmm. is a way mm-hmm. of getting into that space where trauma has happened and keeping it safe because you can turn it off and de-escalate you're like- yourself. Yeah. You're like micro dosing death. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think too, like for those of us who grew up in unstable home environments or who are survivors of abuse or other things that have like put our nervous systems in a really activated space, like for some of us, like that can be like literally when I am, (laughs) this is so, this is maybe a little bit dysfunctional, but like when I'm like activated and have trouble sleeping, like listening to true crime helps me fall asleep. And I think it's because Mm -hmm the chaos and instability is a little bit like familiar. So sometimes actually when I'm, when my nervous system, and this is something I'm like very much working on. Right. But sometimes actually when my nervous system is calm, like it feels actually unsafe because it feels very unfamiliar. So Mm -hmm. there's that kind of like chasing some of those like physical reactions that feel maybe more like quote unquote home um, Mm -hmm. can be like familiar and comforting. Yeah. That's something that's come up a few times on the podcast about horror uh, as as specifically as a genre that is able to help um, in an external way process through a lot of the internal fears and horrors and stuff and the stuff we go through. And so like me personally, as a very anxious person, I love watching horror because it helps soothe my anxiety. Mm -hmm. If I'm in a very anxious, just place it's mm-hmm. a self-soothing thing for me to do is just put on a slasher movie um and which like you said it just seems so not right or whatever uh, so uh contradictory but yeah this yeah. yeah 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 i also like the I guess my last kind of thing that I have is I really like the space of religiosity that comes up like that. The electric chair game is called, is there there a God? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Right. Or that the, that Gomez refers to the vault as Sanctus Sanctorium, right? The Holy (laughs) of Holies. Um, And that there's just this like play that, the blood spurting really like people are coated in blood and it's like, well, there's like a baptism thing there. There's also like the washed in the blood of the lamb kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just really easy to like see different ways that particularly like Christian symbolism and that sort of stuff is played with mm-hmm. in fun ways. Right. That's mm-hmm. awesome uh anything else for our deep dive i think we covered a lot of it and and also with us doing having done the adams family last year i feel like a lot of it was covered there too right yeah well we'll get to the place where we're rating the film so this is out of 10 nightmares because we're covering nightmare on elm street so interpret that however you want (laughs) but out of 
and nightmares. Uh, how would you rate this film? And there aren't really any kills in there, but if you want to like out a, a favorite moment or something, go there for it. There are kind of kills. Kind of, yeah. Whoever would like to start, or if you need me to start, so you all can think about it. Why don't we do it that way? So, <laughs> um, I will rate this uh, a seven out of ten. Nightmares. It's still very fun, still very kooky, as the original theme song lyric goes. Mm -hmm. And just love how queer and fun and kinky and all that stuff this still is. And if you want to see an Adam's family movie with its fangs or bite kind of removed, watch the two animated ones because they just aren't quite able to capture this magic of this original one and the kind of countercultural subversive aspects of it. Um, I guess my favorite part is the very opening scene because it references one of the most famous comic book uh, or comic strip things of them about to dump the boiling whatever uh, liquid onto the uh, carolers. And so I just Mm -hmm. love that shot. I love it from the original comic, which I'll try to link in the show notes and how they redid it here is really fun. I liked the iconic kiss like their kiss in the doorway of the big mansion oh, i was yeah. like this is iconic i'm not sure but i'm pretty sure that this is the like picture but but my favorite kill was the mother psychologist right like they just both fell into the coffins and mm-hmm. coffins closed and dropped into the graves and it's like yeah the earth swallowed them up yes indeed um and i will probably give it this is weird. I'm giving it like a six. Not because I didn't love it, but because in my head for this season now, it's also very horror-based readings. And it wasn't very scary or nightmarish. Mm-hmm. So it's a six, but not for the, like the usual reading reasons that I rate something a six out of 10 on this podcast. My favorite part, or one of my favorite parts, there's like so many great iconic parts, so it's like hard to choose. But my one of my favorite parts is the lemonade stand where Wednesdays, um, where they're selling lemonade, and the like Girl Scout comes up and is like, "Is it made with real lemons?" And then asks, um, you know, her like sort of, "I'll buy your lemonade if you buy my Girl Scout cookies." And Wednesdays like, "Are they made with real Girl Scouts?" So that is maybe my favorite. <laughs> One of my favorite oh, moments, gosh. literally anytime, and I was like, I was Girl Scout, I sold cookies, like, but yep. anytime I mm-hmm. hear or see Girl Scout cookies, I hear that in my head. I'm like, are they made, with, is it made with real Girl Scouts? Are they made with real Girl Scouts? <laughs> right, right. Um, I think, as I think I'll rate it, um, I will rate it a seven also. Um, and the reason for seven for me is that, there's like so many like additional cultural references for these mm. films. So it's like the the nightmare like echoes <laughs> throughout like society in a lot of places. Like Emily, you mm-hmm. um you mentioned the like sort of like camp prayer Adam's family, but there's yep. you know, there's like yep. references in song lyrics, there's references like just like all over the place. So I think um that sort of like shows that there's this like that this film and the sequel have kind of like their claws in 
our cultural imagination. So I give it a seven. Mm -hmm. So uh, where can our listeners find you? Uh, and do you have any fun, exciting things coming up? Yeah, you can uh, get in touch with me by visiting my website, which is ldow.com. And you can su subscribe to my newsletter there. You can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash ministry or on Twitter, Snap, or Insta at HowNowBrownDowd or on TikTok at ministry or at ELCA Young Adults on TikTok. Um, you can also order the book, Baptize in Tear Gas, From White Moderate to Abolitionist. There's audiobook, ebook, regular print books, and all that money goes to Black activists, liberation organizations, bail funds, that sort of thing. As far as stuff that I have coming up, um, I guess like the the big-ish next thing on the docket is that Lenny and I are co-teaching a four-week course on mm -hmm. their new book that's coming out soon um, in February that is titled Dear Revolutionaries, and it's really, really good. So we're going to do in January into February a four-week course. So you can um, sign up for that, and sign up for the course gets you an autographed book from Lenny and also early access to the book in the form of a an ARC, Advanced Reader's Copy, uh, also gives you access to the four classes and uh, recordings of the class discussions. So that's maybe like something fun to look for if you're interested. Yeah. The book is like Dear Revolutionaries is kind of builds on Dear Church, but mm -hmm. also um, gets a little bit deeper into Lenny's experience kind of as a mystic and, and Lenny's like internal liberatory and liberation process as well as some really functional practical uh liberation building things that people mm -hmm. can do in their neighborhoods and so it's just really i obviously lenny and i are friends and i'm a big fan of them but i really quite honestly think that this is their best book yet so Ooh. i'm over here promoting lenny's book on <laughs> what i'm supposed to be talking about but i'm just that i'm so excited i'm like basically so pumped about this book and then also just like so excited that they asked me to help co-teach this class so i mm -hmm. think that'll be it'll be really fun if people are interested definitely sign up yeah and mm -hmm. if you want to know more about lenny you can definitely check out our episode with lenny because lenny was on for Blade, Blade when we did Blade in the spring 1998 yeah and that was and just to piggyback off that Lenny gave a talk a little bit about the upcoming book in that too and just oh I, I'm so excited and stoked for mm -hmm. this as well just to echo what you said out mm -hmm. I have not gotten the chance to read it yet but um this course sounds amazing so listeners please strongly consider this and check mm -hmm. it out and there are scholarships if you get to the event right and you're like, ooh, feels a little bit steep. There are um, – it's $200 for the four classes and for the book and for the advanced copy of the ebook and whatever, you know, there's mm – -hmm. and for the recordings. Um, so it's about, you know, $50 a class. Lenny and I are splitting it. They get two-thirds. I get one-third for important, obvious equity reasons. Um, but if that feels a little bit steep, which is understandable, there's some scholarships available as well. Nice. That's awesome. And that's super helpful. And also pastors, this is, I don't know if we have many pastors that listen, but um, this is very legit continuing education 
and professional development expense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just like listening to our podcast is if you want to support us on Patreon. Mm -hmm. Except their mm -hmm. class is like super duper legit. <laughs> Isn't that an zero sum game everything can be? Yes. It's true. It's true. It's true. Um, well, awesome. Thank you again so much for coming back uh, on the podcast. It's always such a pleasure to have you on and to talk about um, the fun awesomeness of Adam's family. So thank you. Yes. Thanks for the invitation. It was awesome. Uh, our next movie is Wes Craven's New Nightmare, uh, which came out in 94. And this one is the first Nightmare on Elm Street related film we are covering that is not set in that universe. So Emily oh. knows very little about this one. So I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm so excited for them to see this one. Um, it's one of my favorites in that franchise. So we'll cover mm. that next week. I'm excited for that. And that is it for our show. Our theme music was by Matt May. Horror Nerds at Church releases every Thursday. Please comment, rate, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Support us on Patreon and get access to exclusive movie commentary episodes, Bluetooth episodes, and more bonus content by going to patreon.com slash horrornerdsatchurch. Also, you can get awesome Zoom backgrounds because, let's face it, the pandemic will never be over and Zoom will always exist. But you can get those whether or not you're a Patreon subscriber, by going to patreon.com slash church. So make sure you check that out. It's only $5 to sign up, which is definitely cheaper than the amount of therapy needed to <laughs> process the abuse of the parent who pretended to be a therapist who pretended to be a parent who pretended to be a therapist. <laughs> you know... More than the therapy that Fester needs, or any of them, really. Um, follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Horror Nerds at Church, and Twitter at HNACPOD for all the latest updates about upcoming films, news, and other announcements. Until next time. <laughs> Until next time. Keep your flake fake blood store well stocked so that you can bleed out on anybody you want. That's a terrible yeah. one. It's That's okay. not my best. <laughs> it's okay. We've had better. We've had worse. Uh, much worse. Include, um, so do not worry. Uh, but again, thank you. Thank <laughs> you.